Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Beef Wellington. Beef Wellington. You're listening to Yorkshire's premier Beef Wellington station. Come down to Howard's this weekend. We've got Beef Wellington. And nothing else. (laughs) The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 69, and we are back to the regular lineup this week. I'm almost pleased to report. Uh, my name's Dan. Hello from me. Michael's here. Hello. Moscow White is here. Hello. And Amatai's back in his cage in the dungeon, and we welcome back to the podcast. Oddie. Welcome back. Have I missed something? Moving on. Uh, issue four of the Square Ball fanzine will be out against Middlesbrough. Issue three is still the current issue, so look out for that one when it lands on the streets. Uh, don't forget you can buy them online at thesquareball.net. Same place where you can get your subscriptions too. White watching. Well, gentlemen, six points, six goals. It's all looking a little bit brighter. We're going up as up Champions League. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, a couple of. I mean, we did say the kind of team we are will probably beat some teams that were better than. Let's not get carried away. Yeovil, one of those. Yeovil, Yeovil at home. You expect to win this. It's a must win. There are no easy games at this level, but and we didn't make it look very easy. But there is still a scale of easiness. Yeah, are they, and this is very much at the at the the bottom end. Are they the absolute bottom of the league? No, because Sheffield Wednesday won. exist. They won five two against Reading show Wednesday. I think I inform think. Sheffield Wednesday. I think they certainly went. Wednesday. They certainly went bottom after we beat them. Right. Yeah, we did make it look a bit difficult as well. This game, yeah. struggling to even bully the weak kids. The first thing to note, of course, was that we lost star man Sam Byram out of the side. Peltier at wing back. I mean, did, did mm. you think it had the bearing on it that we suspect it probably would have? I think Peltier was playing right back, really, rather than wing back. Notional wing back, but with leanings to. Staying back. He right, have, did he have right wing leanings? His wings. <laughs> yes, his wing. No, he had right back leanings. With he was definitely not comfortable with the the right wing. He's not. Uh, in, he doesn't instinctively 
kind of play a pass and then move forward into space, does he? No. In the same way that Byram does. He kind of plays a pass and then looks at what's going on ahead of him and then goes... Someone else, oh, someone yeah. else do this. <laughs> he does have that tendency to go, even though he's right-footed, to stop and turn on his left foot as if he was left-footed. Yeah. And not hit a ball with his right foot like but he should. He wasn't the real wing-back star of this show, though. We all know. <laughs> the man of the moment, left wing-back Jason Pierce. I mean... Pierce dog. It's not often you see a, a left wing back who's playing a, a sort of a target man left wing back, which is what he was doing on the standing out wide, having the ball hit towards his head. It was so a bit like a bit Wimbledon like, tactics, a bit sort of as Bradley Johnson did for a while. Mm. He was kind of our left mm. left midfield header winner, and Varney did it for a little bit as well. This time we had Pierce, who to be fair is very good at that. Yeah. It's just when they had the ball at his feet, it was well, it was just funny really. Benny Hillman. I didn't really. <laughs> I was quite smart enjoy- I was quite enjoying watching it. It had that the air of a Sunday league game where you've all drawn positions out of a hat. Oh, I have to go. Oh, we haven't got any left footers, so I have to go out there this week. <laughs> I was quite annoyed with Pierce in the run up to Warnock. Well, there were two things: is that McDermott left Warnock on for ages, even though he was basically could not run, walk, stagger, or move, or move. And Pierce didn't seem to have like have paid any attention to the fact that the guy standing next to him on the pitch was morbidly injured and um he kept running out to to well like kept leaving the winger and pointing for warnock saying go out and run to him and warnock would just like start limping (laughs) towards him like a distressed horse and then pierce would kind of go god's sake go over there himself deal with it and then turn around and would start giving you an earful while he's lying on the floor bleeding so get up and get on with your job which is a nice attitude in one sense but in the other sense you would expect him to perhaps have realise that if his left back is injured he's going to have to do a little bit of covering that's a little bit like Sunday League as well determination not to show any weakness no it's alright <laughs> boss I'll run it off even though your leg's hanging off by a hinge you know. but Warnock is incredibly soft he, he seems to go down well mm. he's either very soft or his, his legs don't work properly but he goes down for every single game for at least a couple of minutes and he always gets up and gingerly hobbles around for a bit but at least we've got Aidan White oh mm. has he played yet at Sheffield United I've not paid any any attention. Let's go, Chris. We should probably have looked that up before we uh, started. Yeah, let's yeah. let's skim over that in the news yeah. part then when we talk about players who are on loan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If, we, if we if you want to tweet us asking why we didn't talk about AD White's seven goal haul against <laughs> Crew or whoever, don't. All right then, Michael. You were right. Smith is shit because he missed an absolute sitter in this game. He did. I told you. It was a difficult chance. Came at him. Uh, came at him. <laughs> took him by surprise. High. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tricky one. He didn't have much time to think, and he's a very thoughtful man. It wasn't at head level, was his issue. Yeah, I think so. It would have been better played not towards his feet. It was funny, the um, the replay that LUTV kept showing um, cuts away just before it happens. So it shows the cross, um, but then on the close-up view, just as he's about to air kick it and let it go through his legs, <laughs> it's like they just they, they cut away. The cameraman knew what was coming and couldn't was, look. What if he heard a shout from a comrade behind him? Fade, fade to black. Well, it'll be that McCormack's fault. Yeah, <laughs> ruining everything. Well, let's let's concentrate on the positives then, because we had a brace from McCormack and two assists from uh, Rudolf Austin. He was very good in this game, was Austin. Mm. He was pretty awesome, actually. He was bombing around all over the place, he, he, which he had to do, to be fair, because we had essentially five at the back um, and not much else going on. So he, he um, I think he won us the points as much as McCormack in this and, one. And people who say he can't pass, you just look at these two goals and they could... Put those words on a plate, etc. Yeah, because they were both good, good balls. But the first one, especially, where it's classic Rudy. Get the ball in our half, run, 
all the way to their penalty area and then just give it to somebody who can score. Just knock three or four players off as they try and tackle him. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we were tweeted earlier on today by Josh Townend, who's at Townend Official, is saying, are you going to discuss Rudy Austin's new role? What is Rudy Austin's new role to the uninitiated? Same as his old role, be ace. Running loads. He's playing. He's definitely playing further forward than he was earlier in the season when he, he was, like, in the, if you look at like the Leicester away game when he was playing very much in front of a back four, we've decided to just let him loose. <laughs> Just cause havoc wherever you feel. You've unleashed him. Unleashed the beast. Which makes sense because he, unlike, for example, Murphy, he can run loads. He is yeah. hard to get the ball off once he's got it. He's still a bit erratic with his passing at times, but... And shooting. And, and shooting. That's but as we said before, that's the reason why he's in this division, not the Premier League, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I, but I, one of the, as Moscow said at the beginning of the season, one of those is going to go in this season. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome. I wouldn't the one that wins us promotion. That would be nice. Imagine. God, don't send me into dreamland. <laughs> Take the stanchion off. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next game. Charlton away. Delu. This threw it. didn't just this completely throw you off kill to the later kickoff. All the results are piling in at ten to five. Um, still ongoing. Rain. It was all about rain and Ross McCormack. Rain McCormack. I know we've had Ross McCormack came immediately upon the final whistle. Someone on Twitter suggested Ross Ross McPodcast as well for a name <laughs> for this one. I saw that one. We just it's, it, shouldn't it be Ross McPodmac? You still got to have the muck and the mac because without the, the muck and mac. the mac, yeah, Moscow, I was I was <laughs> looking for this quote earlier, but I couldn't find it. But I know it'll be in your book. Didn't Warnock once say something about McCormack not being a goal scorer or something? I'm sure Ooh. I'm sure he's said something before about it. Undoubtedly, he's wrong anyway. <laughs> is what these games prove. Well, nobody else has scored any. There you go. Fact. End of. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this goes to show that the transfer policy of keeping your better players is, is a good one. You know, in the past, we'd have said Middlesbrough want you for this much money. Um, we're not going to give you that. Off you go. We'll play um, Matt Smith and who else do we have? No, Polyon. <laughs> and we wouldn't have won these games, but as it was, we thought, oh, we'll keep him because he's, he's one of our best players. Interesting to note that McDermott has said about Ross that he had to persuade GFH to keep him and not take the money, didn't he? And they've done the right thing because he's worth twice as much now when January comes around. Yeah. <laughs> hold out for a better offer. That's how a good investment bank would work. <laughs> they know their stuff. The other thing with it is, is that the goals have all been, apart from the penalty and the free kick, but really strikers' goals, all in the penalty area, especially the one where he was like right at the back post and kind of shoved somebody off at Charlton. That was a great little nudge on yeah. that defender. Shoved them out of the way. and then did- It was about twice as big as he was as well classic like actual strikers behaviour and so all this stuff about because he's a bit little and because he's a bit slow because he, he's always been a bit like a one in four striker he's tempted to say he's a midfielder I was describing him as a as a cum midfielder um, a, cum, a cum midfielder yeah because everyone always calls him like striker cum midfielder or winger cum midfielder whereas um, the cum midfielding is just out of the equation There'll be no in coming in that midfield, eh? No, exactly. Hey. It's it's all attack and no come. There's your title straight there. Well, yeah, it was all very wet, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> down, down at the valley. Yeah, it, where, where. Thank you. It uh, sucked, frankly. Yeah, on Saturday. Um, do, do you think the rain completely affected the uh, the sort of whole pattern of play? I mean, it's been described on our uh, TSB forum as like nothing actually happened. There was no pattern to the play. It was just stuff happened. Chances occurred. A sequence of things happening. There is some thought that the conditions played a big part in Michael Brown being allowed onto the pitch. That McDermott just looked at it and thought, well, nobody's going to play any football today. Brownie, 
<laughs> yeah, come and destroy. Your, chances, yeah. your chance to shine. Do long distance tackles. Well, there was a practical meltdown on Twitter when that team was announced. Nobody can look at a team that's got Danny Pugh and Michael Brown in it and think, yes, especially when they're replacing Alex Mowat. And um, I know Pugh is technically replacing Stephen Warnock, so it's not that big a deal, but Byram's out. So you've got no Byram, you've got no Mowat. Instead, you've got Pugh and Brown. It's it's a heart sinker. Was was Mowat yeah. injured then, or was he just a tactical thing? The claim, well, he's pulled out of this uh, trip to Hungary with the under-19s. I don't know whether that's just like fear of Noel Blake yelling at him. I hope we're not going for like scum international treatment. Oh, he's he's injured. Can't can't play for for his country. But we have missed. Well, he ha, has ha, missed ha. a game for us, so we've not exactly done it. We've not done a very good job. We've misunderstood it. <laughs> <laughs> he meant to still play for us. Wow, wow, wow. And even with um, without them and with Brown and Pooh, we won four two four goals. I really really enjoyed the free kick. That was uh, a man brimming with confidence. Twatted it in. Good, I enjoyed that. It was. Their goal was quite good as well, putting aside it was for them. Their first one. And not their second one. Not the second From one. our point of view, it was yeah. And the build-up, I believe, was Brown and Pugh's like, combined contribution. I'm still a little bit confused about which goal this actually led to, because because um, I'm easily confused and quite tired. But um, there was a fantastic bit of play in midfield. Well, it wasn't a fantastic bit of play. It was terrible. I think it shows why these guys aren't in the team. Brown went sliding in with a, a running start of about 20 yards on somebody. <laughs> missed. Using the conditions. Yeah. yeah. Pew looked at that thought, that's a good idea. It had the look of a computer game where you're trying to foul each other. <laughs> yeah. When you're trying to get red cards on FIFA. Yeah, but you're, yeah. Just, you're just randomly sliding in on everybody. Pew had a go. Went sliding in on another player, missed completely. And it's not like they were even getting anywhere near the ball, all the players, just missing. And then Brown had gradually got up from the mud, like Bigfoot emerging from a, a puddle. Um, <laughs> Swamp? Yeah. Mangrove? Yes. Or does he does he habit, inhabit more mountainous regions, maybe, wouldn't he? Um, I don't know. Dense forest. Swamp is maybe a good word. Mm. Um, emerged from the swamp and then just went with an even bigger run-up went sliding past some other Paul Charlton soul and uh, and their response was to just take the ball and score a goal with it. I don't like them for that, but I'm, I'm willing to uh, allow that Pew won the penalty and that they, they were on the pitch in a game where we won 4-2. That must have been their first goal. Away. The second goal, we must have had about 20 chances to clear that ball. There did seem to of be a massive, course. there was a massive yeah. crowd of Leeds players. Yeah, it's all come yeah. back to me now. And somehow there was a man stood in the middle with no one on him. Yeah. Just to tap it in. Liesenbauer was distracted by Peltier and didn't know what to do. They both just stood there like statues while they ran Twice. between <laughs> Peltier is a very distracting man. We seem to be not having individual bad performances in defence, but just occasionally it's like the system crashes and they all <laughs> accidentally run to the same to the same player <laughs> and things. It's, I don't know. Blue what... screen of death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right then in summary, we're on the up now. Things are looking better now we've been through that sort of sticky patch, as it were. And we've played a couple of beatable teams and we've done the thing that we needed to do, which was beat them. We've been winning without Byram as well, which I think is important to note. I'd rather win with Byram. Yes. I don't want to tempt GFH into this future world where they go, well, Brian, you, you obviously needed that McCormack fellow. As we, as, we, uh, as we termed it, the house and claws. Yeah. Uh, is it time to reappraise uh, Danny Pugh and Michael Brown? No. What's <laughs> <laughs> that harsh bastards? Ah, fuck them. The news. We've uh, got a little bit of an update for you now then on the Aiden White situation. During that little bit of production noise thing that you heard, we went offline and 
researched Aiden's uh, glittering career at Sheffield United. So, someone give me the full lowdown on uh, what's happened with Aiden White at Sheffield United. He uh, went with them to Shrewsbury Town, and while he was there, uh, lost two 0 to them in their clip art line. And then they played Colchester in the FA Cup, but Brian McDermott wouldn't let him play. To which I believe Aidy White's reaction was uh, to take the L out and get paid, which we predicted would happen. His attitude. So problems brewing. Should have just let him play in the cup. It doesn't matter if you get Marlon cup King tied. goes to Sheffield United as well. He's not going to be a good influence on him. He'll be punching women in nightclubs before we know it. <laughs> and Nigel Clough, I mean, I don't want to say that uh, these things are hereditary. But um, I don't know if anybody's checked the water bottles at uh, Sheffield United since he turned up. They had that with Brian Robson, allegedly. And now <laughs> they might, in my imagination, allegedly have it with uh, Nigel Clough as well. Aiden, come home. That, come won't, home. that won't legally cover your ass, by the way. Anyway, moving on. This is all in your name anyway, isn't it? That was white That was white watching. White, white what? Come on. Enthusiasm. I think watching white. What, 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 do we know? We don't know what position. I don't know. Why I'm asking you because I was looking at the same website. <laughs> um, do we know what position he played? Because as we know, he can play left wing, inside left right, back, inside right, right wing. I think, yeah, inside right in the old, old, fa- old false fashion. nine, false three, <laughs> false one to eleven. Right, let's move on. Listen, um, no players in or out at the moment, apart from White. Obviously, he was on loan, um, and the others were out uh, earning their, earning their corn elsewhere. Yeah, that um, we can't be bothered to Google. Nope. Bigger news um, comes in the form of GFH and the ructions in their setup and share purchases and stuff. Somebody distill this down then and make it interesting for both me and the listener. Okay. Salah Nuruddin. Would that be chairman of Leeds United? Chairman of yeah. Leeds United has bought shares in Gulf Finance House. Parent company of GFHC who own Leeds United. Yes. so he, Whose he, shares has he bought? He's bought them from Esam Janahi who is a somewhat controversial figure in the Middle East, but was once the second most powerful banker in the region during the uh, the glory days when uh, GFH were um, losing billions of dollars hand over fist um, and leaving many people out of pocket with incompleted uh, projects, which they've since uh, recovered from and, you know, just pretended it was just a blip. Anywho, he resigned recently and he sold a bunch of shares to Salah Nuruddin, and he also bought a few from a company called Al Alia, who are uh, completely unrelated uh, to company, um, whose chief executive officer is called Esam Nuruddin. Hmm. And their head, of, dun, dun, dun. their head of client relations is called Ibrahim Mohammed Jinahi. So that's all right. So he bought some from he bought some from Esam Jinahi, who was used to be the chairman of Gulf Finance House, and he bought some from Al Alia, who. Uh, happens to be run by people with very similar names to both him and Janahi. And then uh, just to for good measure, he sold a few back to Al Ali. Percentages-wise, so, where does this leave us then? Well, it leaves him. Uh, it left him on Monday with 5.7% of Gulf Finance House. And because he sold 1.1% back to his brother, mother... Namesake. Is a Matt's Mat- problem. Yeah, that leaves him with 4.6% of Gulf Finance House. And, Thank you, Carol. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> it's worth remembering that his involvement started with the International Investment Bank of Bahrain, who he used to work for, but didn't work for when they bought a stake in Leeds United, and then he independently bought his stake in Leeds United. A lot of stakes getting bought, um, and I don't know how they like their stakes, rare, medium, well done. 
So what we're seeing is basically a network of possibly related companies, possibly related people, all jiggling shares around between themselves is what we're seeing. Yeah, it sounds like Salad used to work at IIB. Somebody's told him about this deal with GFH and LUFC, bought a bit of LUFC, got made chairman. That's what happens. And now he fancies a bit of GFH. So he's got a bit of GFH. So now our our chairman is now on the board of our ultimate owners. Could be good. I mean, it means that that's like a direct line. He can phone up. I presume he's got a bank of phones in front of him on the desk so he can like have... We've got the bat phone, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So he can phone them up whenever he wants. Okay, or, so or whatever Skype. happened to that nice Ken Bates? It's all much simpler in those days. When he didn't own all of... Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. Yes. better when he didn't know. Well, should yeah. better not know. I, I wish we'd never <laughs> asked. Is bliss. Yeah. wish we'd never asked. It seems to me... Just looking at it from outside, that he's probably just buying into the company. You know, you work for, well, you are chairman of one company. You see what the other one's planning. You buy a bit of it because you've got $50 million lying about that you can just buy yourself a chunk of a hopefully profitable company. Although he may be a little bit upset by the quarter three results that GFH say, announced well, these, today. These are, these are hot off the press, as they say, in this whole media, media industry. So what's happened in their uh, quarterly results? Um, the easiest thing to do is to read it out because we haven't properly digested it. GFH profits continue to fall. Um, it has been reported. A, a Q3 net loss of $3.15 million means nine-month profits are down to $1 million from last year's seven and a half million. That's US dollars, is it? Yes. And so they've they've made a loss in this quarter, which means that their overall profits for the year are down by six and a half million compared to what they made last year. Is this the pipe maintenance kicking in? It could. Well, it's the, um, there is actually a lot of gumph and uh, waddle in this report where they were saying about how things happening in Q3 mean that like, uh, transactions happened sooner than expected, so Q4 will be much better. But but then they start talking about... Um, Are they going to be propping up their whole business model on quarter four Christmas shirt sales from the Ellen Road shop? Sam well, Byram. The exact, word, the exact <laughs> words from... Uh, that looks like a Sam Byram-sized hole. <laughs> the words from Hisham Al-Reyes, who is acting CEO of the whole shop... Uh, said, with the realignment of our business and a good credit rating and market confidence to support us, we are ready to, to transact and deliver positive results in the next quarter. So it's kind of like, we got a good credit rating so we can borrow loads of money <laughs> and we got market confidence so people are willing to lend us loads of money. So we're ready to make some money to make up for the money that we just lost. And they're talking about the UK residential real estate market. So... Presumably, they like our architecture. So, if you've got a house for sale near Elland Road, Look, so pop imagine, down. Imagine just for a second then that they flog Leeds United within the next three months Ooh. for a profit. Even if it's five million, it's going to make things look better than they are at the minute. Well, it's a matter of whether David Haig can uh, invent a company soon enough to buy it, <laughs> given that he seems to be the only person investing in Leeds United lately and with myriad oh, different Dale companies. The, hark at thee, the cynic. It's not cynical, it's true. Nobody else is buying any chunk of this football club. Just him getting lots of bits of it under lots of different companies. He went for tea and cakes at St George's Crypt again, though, so he is still, uh, he's continuing the good works. Moving on to less complicated matters, shall we mm. say, and more obvious matters, really. Ross McCormack, probably a little bit unlucky to have uh, missed out on the Scotland squad in the first place, but he's been drafted in to replace Jordan Rhodes. Ooh. 
once of uh, the he's Terry. Top, he's the top scorer in the championship. Parish. Who else was in there? Fair enough, Jordan Rhodes. He does score goals. He's not Scottish, but he does score goals. <laughs> so that's good enough. But who else have they got? Duncan Ferguson, Ali McCoist. Yeah, oh, actually, yeah. yeah some good players. Joe Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Dalglish. We <laughs> have not really looked at the Scotland team lately. Rob Snodgrass. Bradley Johnson, I don't know. Well, anyway, they've lost two forward players, haven't they? One of which is uh, Jordan Rhodes. So he's in He's in the squad, and rightly so, to be honest. Yeah, you can't leave the top scorer in the second division now if you're Scotland's manager. Should Did uh, Ross have anything to say? Well, he took it remarkably well, didn't he? I think he were, the, the audio sounded something like this. I read in the press that the manager said I was unlucky. That's fair enough. You can only pick 20-odd players. And how many Scotland players are there? What's going about Billy Connolly? <laughs> a lot of them are in my shoes. Oh no! <laughs> and now Ian Paisley. Disappointed they're never a player from Scotland. Disappointed they're not in the squad. <laughs> what can you do? I'm not playing in fucking orange. <laughs> Just do what you do at club level. I'd like to say sorry to all our Celtic listeners at this point <laughs> for the blatant racism. I don't think we have any anymore. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, if in doubt, do silly impressions because we're a bit short on research this week. Anyway, happy birthday. We'd say happy birthday to some people, don't we? Yeah, one of which is the most significant manager in our recent-ish history, uh, Howard Wilkinson. It deserves a little bit more than just like that kind of children's BBC broom cupboard introduction. And it's a happy birthday to a special little boy. We've got here, um, Moscow's made a card with Howard Wilkinson's face on a dog, which he sent in. Very nice. It appears to have been written in shit, but never mind. <laughs> Why would we send Howard Wilkinson a card written in shit? <laughs> Lots of love from all your fans at Leeds. Because you're obsessed with that era and maybe it's gone a little bit too far. <laughs> I'm going to smear a card with shit and send it to Howard Wilkinson. Because he sent you that dead dog that time. <laughs> Those were my parents, not, not Howard Wilkinson. <laughs> I treasure that dead dog. <laughs> so it's a happy birthday to Howard. <laughs> Lots, lots of respect for his achievements at Leeds. 70 years old, and he doesn't look a day older than he did than when he turned up. He's him and Nigel Worthington, ageless, born, born old. It's a rarely uh, repeated um, fact, a trivial fact, that Nigel Worthington is actually older than Howard Wilkinson. Always has been. <laughs> <laughs> now here is a genuine, this is a real thing. Now we're not just padding out this podcast. Norman Hunter, 70 as well, yeah? Howard Wilkinson's birthday was real as well. Uh, you'd never, ever peg the two of them as being the same age. No, I must admit. No. I think of Wilco as being younger, somehow. I don't really know why. Perhaps I without any just a fight, though. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, Howard would have the mind games. If you look at some of the um, footage of Howard Wilkinson when he turned up at Leeds, he was quite a, a more of a sprightly character than I think some people maybe give him credit for when they see the what he became by 1996 but um yeah there's some lovely if you've ever searched for like him talking about dave bassett in the 1990 title running there's some lovely stuff where he's standing on at the side of Elland road pitch talking to harry gratian before the 4-0 game probably with a flying pizza cap on his head oh no he's not wearing a cap he's wearing a tracksuit he's kind of swinging from side is it to the side tracksuit that is written boss on nfl <laughs> pen <laughs> and he um <laughs> Harry Gration says, uh, so you and, uh, are you, you're good friends with, uh, with Dave Bassett. And he just kind of goes, eh, he's all right. Can't really talk to him about football because he doesn't know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, we go out now and then 
couple of glasses of wine, sometimes even take the wives. And it's just, you know... It was very it, dry anyway, yeah. wasn't it? So you perhaps didn't even <clears throat> yeah. realise at the time that, that was, uh, there was a lot of humour underpinning that. But how old would he have been then? Like, well, we just passed the 20, so he would have been coming up to 50? Mid-40s, heading towards 50, yeah. Yeah, what a guy. Sorry about the card covered in shit. <laughs> we might have sent him that after Wembley in 96 when that all went tits up. My card covered in tears. I just don't like the idea of sending Howard Wilkinson a card covered in shit under any circumstances. Norman Hunter, on the other hand. <laughs> He's bloody asking for it, isn't he? I mean, that's what Franny Lee offered him originally this <laughs> yeah. year until they dialed it down. Half-season tickets, will you be buying one? Uh, to go with my full-season <laughs> tickets. Yes, it's all about loyalty, isn't it? Yeah. How, how big a fan two. are you? One and a half season tickets. Well, how many season what? tickets have you got, technically? Just one. But how long does it last? Oh, it's, I don't know, it's got another ten years on it. In fact, since you got the discount rate, you should buy this half season ticket just to top yourself up to the full rate and show your commitment to uh, David Haig's many companies. <laughs> you bloody sponger. No, no, it's, it's all right. I'll, I'll make do with the one I've got. Get two for the kids. <laughs> yeah, well, get them in early. Poor those poor boys. Would, don't. I have, do, would I have to pay for? Do you have to pay for? Babies, think, or can you get them in free? Well, I remember when I when I was when I was a lad, um, my dad always used to uh, sneak me in the turnstile, you know, with him, like, carry him, carry him through. He didn't sneak him; it's just your dad's terrifying. He probably just <laughs> said he's coming in for free, and everyone went, "Oh, okay." There is actually a grain of truth in that. I'm just going to sneak sneak lad through. Is that all right? Sneak lad through. Is that all right? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Holding you in his arm with one and a steward against the wall, <laughs> pinned to the wall with his. Hand. But that was back in the day when the stewards were your friends, and they used to be fr- plucked from the crowd rather than. Uh, Hired Nazis. They're not hired Nazis, by the way. That was just an exaggeration for the purposes of humour. Back to the season tickets. Uh, 275 quid in the cop. 110 quid for kids in the family area. It all starts against Blackburn and you do get a full half season. Value for our promotion push. Well, I did notice, and I don't mean to be the cynical Nancy in the corner... But um, after Brian McDermott had been very, very cagey about saying how we were going to do this season, just saying, you know, take each game as it comes and, you know, it's a it's a two or three year project. And then he did start suddenly before the Yeovil game going, you know, we've just got to, uh, if we can, we've got a few games to get some good form going and if we can be there, in fact, we've got the quote just after Yeovil, if we can be there or thereabouts at Christmas, it will be interesting. And he has started talking about, you know, I've been at Reading, I've been through this before where we started slowly, got a push on in the second half of the season and ended up uh, getting promoted. And then suddenly it's half season tickets are on sale. And I don't know if there's maybe perhaps some joined up commercial messages. Um, it's sort of trying, trying to finally balance the, the difference between football coach managing expectations and snake oil salesman. Um, yeah, and I think somebody just saying to him, you know, Brian, could you just like talk it up for a couple of weeks so we can shift some half-season tickets? And him going... It, it's yeah, normally right when then. this kind of thing happens as well. We get start being linked with old players, but mainly they're actually too old to warrant a return now. But it was kind of like, oh, Alan Smith's linked back with him. Yeah. Lee Boy, you might be coming back. Yeah. Hey, well, we're getting Dominic Matteo for the Christmas party. Well, mm. he's never gone away, has he? In this part of the podcast, where we generally sort of make up a topic and then blather on about it for 15 minutes, uh, we've decided to talk about stand-ins, replacements. First of all, of course, because Oddie, he's not aware of this, but he wasn't here last time. Pardon? Yeah, the not <laughs> You're in hospital, yeah. love. We asked, we asked the nurses just <laughs> to up his dosage a bit. And they, they, anyway. Get full. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, we had Amitai in last time, standing in for Oddie. Even more important than that, 
Saturday saw the glorious return of Michael Brown and Danny Pugh to mm. the Leeds United first team. You say glorious. I think we've described him as, as an axis of evil before. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not being unkind. Due to that, due to that gift that you produced, which was the, the kick up in the air followed by the falling over. Yeah. I think Brown, Brown does a big sort of... Brown backwards. in the centre circle boots it up in the air up over his head and then Danny Pugh has the opportunity to deal with it but instead just kind of collapses down the side of <laughs> He a, pretends he's going to head it player. then he thinks no I'll go with the foot no I'll just I'll just lay down here and it for was a bit. funny that um, if you watch the team coming out onto the pitch at Charlton those two are the last it's Pugh then Brown are the last two out of the tunnel trying like, to sneak out so nobody sees them. yeah like the naughty schoolboys well I don't know Brown's got too much um Swagger to be uh, he's the to big, have any he's shame. The, he's the big prick at the back of the school bus, isn't he? He won't let anyone else sit there. Yeah. Fuck off. These are my seats. Go on, fuck off. You sit near the teachers. Anyway, stand-ins. Let, let's talk about people who were drafted in on memorable and perhaps not so memorable occasions. I'll start you off with one that um, John Howe brought to our attention, which is the... By the way, do you, do you know, did you know, gentlemen, that we were in the Champions League? This How long ago was that? Exactly 12 years ago. Would you describe these as glory nights? Well, yeah, from you know, fallen giants, Leeds United. Anyway, you know what I'm getting at. Champions League match against AC Milan. Can you remember being petrified? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you saw Andrei Shevchenko in his full pomp and you realised he was up against Michael Dubry and Danny Mills at centre-half. 
We had just lost 4-0 in Barcelona as well, hadn't we? With where Dubry was playing, I can't remember. It was it was did Danny Dan, Hay Danny play? Hay played as well. Mm-hmm. And then because yeah. um, Radaby went off in a neck brace, wasn't he? And that's what started all this nonsense when Danny Mills became a centre back, but became a centre back and did did very well. We won. It's um, Barcelona that we drew back at Elland Road, but yeah, that. But then, to be fair, Barcelona absolutely pummeled us in that match and we just got that early goal, didn't we? Mm. And a good goal it was as well. But they did play about 15 minutes injury. They time. did, actually. We were, st- we were still robbing, I believe, had we won that game, we would have gone on to uh, win it, win the competition that year. <laughs> well, just one thing that I did draw from that AC Milan game. Do you remember there was a shot that Shevchenko that he took on the edge of the area and he hit it, and I've never seen a football hit as hard in my entire... And I don't think I even, even have since. And bearing in mind... Tony Yeboa. We've, we know, we'd seen Yeboa, we'd seen Hasselbank, a good feral twat it, but he absolutely nailed it that night. And I remember thinking, my God, I've never seen a football travel that fast in my life. And Dubery just standing there, several feet away, looking shocked. But I think I think it hit our bar or went just over. Mm. It's my, apart from the Boyer thing, that was my uh, abiding memory of that night, thinking... This is what really good footballers look like. Whereas Bowie's was one of the slowest shots that has ever made it into a goal. Especially when it finally got to, it was Dida, wasn't it? And he just uh, caught it and then just kind of... Spilled it. It was, it was a weird slow motion moment that not everyone in the ground realised what had happened. Obviously, when the cop realised first, didn't they? Because he'd... Cop realised second, I was first. Okay. <laughs> because I was, where I was in the northwest corner on the last seat before the emergency tunnel... So I was exactly in line with that touchline. I can see it, he's got it! <laughs> so I, uh, I saw, I saw the ball basically disappear behind the post where I assumed he caught it and then it was in the net, rolled behind. Cause I can just remember like mentally thinking, right, this is a good result, this against AC Milan standing centre backs. Yeah. All right, this, we'll see what we can do for the rest of the, rest of the tournament. But I think the, the whole success of the Champions League era probably hinged on that moment, really. Um, oh yeah, it gave us the belief that this was that we weren't just pissing around. But to draw a recent parallel, do you remember when we beat Burnley three two at their place? The absolute pandemonium that ensued when that third goal went in. Well, this seems to be a very similar moment. Although mm. there was that weird delay when people were sort of just stood there going, "Hang on, what's happened? Fuck it out! It's it's gone in! It's gone in!" I'm also not sure about your Burnley. Milan comparison either. I've very, some very similar places. Reservations Milan. about yeah. that. Very cosmopolitan. Do you know the nightclubs in Burnley stay open till about eight o'clock in the morning? It's like a, it's a twenty-four hour yeah. town. Yeah, it is true. It's funny that Champions League run for standings. Actually, I've just written down because we think of Dubry Mills at centre half. We mentioned Danny Hay playing in defence in the new Camp, where I think I remember correctly that O'Leary saw fit to bring Tony Hackworth on for his debut. Yes. In the new camp while we're losing 4-0. And then the other... Um, what Tony Hackworth's doing right now. He has just signed for a new club. Um, I can't remember who it is, but he's... Will he be playing in the new camp again? He'll be telling uh, people right now, I once played in the new camp. I'm not sure it's exactly the new... It's some, it's some like Pickering FC. I'll uh, be honest, um, I think he's probably going to be remembered for something other than his football career at Leeds. The article I read about his move to... Um, Pickering or equivalent described him as an attacking midfielder so he's not even a striker anymore and the, the other big stand-in from the Champions League was uh, remember who was in midfield against Real Madrid Jacob Burns Jake yeah. Burns and did he look good we, yes, we could did. do no wrong in this run we, whatever Barcelona aside whatever ridiculous player we put anywhere we still seem to do alright like Paul Robinson in net as well came and filled in did really well normally an inexperienced goalkeeper should get 
destroyed in games like these. But yeah, turns out he's really good. Yeah. Jacob Burns, well, he was shit for his entire Leeds career, as I remember <laughs> it. But no, he did all right in these games. Who was playing in midfield for Madrid? Zidane was there, wasn't he? <laughs> McManaman as well. That's true. McManaman was playing for them at that time. Yeah, because he, abs- he absolutely ran the show at Ellen Road, I remember, mm. in that home game. Real Madrid's performance at Ellen Road in that game, I remember being about the best, them being about the best team I'd ever seen because we were quite good, but we were just nowhere near as good as them. Yeah. But we didn't need a handball to win. <laughs> True. Did we? No. Yeah. yeah, Paul Robinson, he was only, what, 20 years old? Leeds Gary has pointed this out from our little, uh, uh, we ploughed this out to Twitter today, uh, that he was 20 years old and basically unknown at the time and he was drafted in against Barcelona. You've got to feel sorry for Danny Milosevic. <laughs> well. You know, come all that way. <laughs> Jake Burns got to play, Danny Hay got, got to play, and he he just had to sit and watch while Paul Robinson got all the glory. Another stand-in, uh, as pointed out by Jay Saunders, 17, off that there Twitter, uh, that Alex McCarthy, when he came in at Ellen Road, we all, we all thought, oh, can we keep him? Mm. Can we bugger, eh? Can we count a loan as a stand-in? Well, I suppose they all what, what is a What is a loan if not a stand-in? I suppose so. There's plenty of them. Yeah. If we can't mention goalkeepers either without mentioning Lucas and his little... Uh, trips into the goal always did did a good job when he was called upon and it's another thing that makes you just love him that bit more doesn't it diving at the feet of uh, Andy Cole overhead kicks one week in Europe <laughs> next week <laughs> keeping out those lot of bloody old toilets and it, it's often play cricket uh, during the summer <laughs> it's often kind of a source of amusement oh that time when Lucas Radaby played a goal he was actually he did alright saved he a few better than Robka. yeah <laughs> well again fairly low watermark to compare that to <laughs> The other one I, I first thought of as well was Andy Hughes at left-back during the uh, promotion stroke scum-beating when he was very, we've mentioned it before, but just very, very calm, constantly heading the ball back to Casper uh, Ankergren. Never let us down in there. Just going back to Paul Robinson, actually, it's been pointed out that he was a very good standing striker in the uh, extra-time game against uh, Swindon in the Cup when he banged in his header. I think we should all um, take some time to appreciate Gwyn Williams' managerial performance. The single day in his career at Leeds when he earned some earned his money. Well, on the related subject, there were those dark hours when Dave Bassett was technically Leeds United <laughs> manager. That wasn't a good feeling. I remember that being. It was after Dennis Wise quit, wasn't it? And Dave Bassett was left in temporary charge. And I remember my first thought, not on hearing that Dennis Wise had gone, was not, "Oh no, Dennis Wise," who at that point was doing a decent job of getting us that sort of back up the table it's like oh no our, man- not, our manager's quit I thought well, it's Dave Bassett our manager <laughs> no! Oh, no it's like Warnock as well wasn't it but at that time things had got even more desperate yeah Warnock we, at least we had the the warning the the Warnock the warning the Warnocking yeah. but with Bassett it was just I mean I was having a tough enough time accepting him as uh, assistant manager but then to have him actually I think it only did last for a night and then they got rid of him straight I th- away. I wonder if Redders is going to be have a long career of sort of single games as we sack managers and he stays and oh, Redders, Redders can cover it for this one. Getting even more reluctant every single time. <laughs> Do you when Blackburn kept sacking managers and that guy, I think it was, was he called Tony Parks? The guy that yeah. Yeah. Was, he was caretaker manager every six months. He'd kind of yeah. pop up a match of the day and be like, oh, me it's again. me again, it's me again. I don't want the job, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> On the left-back tip, obviously left-back has been a problem issue for us forever, really, 
since the days of uh, Mr. Dorigo. You mentioned Andy Hughes filling in at left back covering uh, Ben Parker. Jack I never Dickin- thought of it that way. <laughs> Jack, he was a stand-in for someone else, yeah. Uh, Jack Dickinson on Twitter uh, mentions Tony Capaldi. I mean, of course, he was a, a fine... What a player. Excellent. A fine, a fine something. Where did he pitch up? He, was it Marine that he started playing for? Yeah, it was it was somewhere non-league, wasn't it? And of course, he, he played for us in the cup against someone non-league. Kettering. Yes, that was it. I saw him, saw him playing there. He, he looked out of his depth there, <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest. It was amazing how rapidly some of these descended from... Fede Bassoni! Fe- what? what, what ha- he, how? Is he still in the Premier League? Yes! No, I think no. he's gone. Look him up. He's left. He's been ejected. The Premier League don't want him no more. There was that... Um, you don't make the 25... Or the 45. I've just had a quick look on the internet. He's in North America. Uh, sporting uh, Kansas City, of course. Yeah. Did he go there straight from Swansea? Yes. He was friends with old uh, Mikey Grello, wasn't he? I thought. Was it, were they there at the same time? I'm sure they were both. They were both with us at the same time. I'm sure, yeah. they, were, I'm sure they were mates. Last time I saw he Mike... spoke Spanish, didn't he, Mike Grello? Ah, that yeah. Was, yeah. He, he was uh, Luciano's uh, translator for a while. He was Spanish accent, Dan. Go on. Uh, I don't think so, no. Continuing on the tip of the fullbacks as well, do you remember the very strange and short era of David Kerslake joining us from, was it Swindon we got him from? For £500,000. Yeah, yeah, which seems like a bloody lot of money now. I know the transfer market's changed, but still, what did we get out of him? Eight Was it eight games? I stopped counting. Yeah, it was um, when Howard Wilkinson just refused to accept that Mel Sterland was not going to be all right. <laughs> um, tried John Newsom, and yeah, and then also refused to accept that John Newsom was although he was a good replacement during the championship running he was never really a right back and so Howard Wilkinson had to look at the uh, all the money he'd spent on David Rowcastle and then just take what he could get and what he could get was Swindon Town's right back Swindon were good then though days of Glenn Hoddle and promotions and who was their chairman that uh, was corrupt and kept them down for a season all that stuff <laughs> Let's not speculate and get ourselves into trouble. <laughs> Lou McCary, the scum bastard. Yes. <laughs> was involved in illegal betting. Hey, a really obs- money from Mickey Thomas. A really good obscure one that on the full back theme. Chris Kamara at left back, autumn nineteen ninety, included marking Tony Daly out of the game at Villa Park. Now there's a specific reference. Well done to you, Andy Lim off that Twitter. Is he remembering that correctly? Because I know that in the championship season Chris Fairclough marked Tony Daly out of the game at Villa Park. And John McClelland filled in at centre back. Is that a rhetorical question? I presume I'm going to treat in it the as one. Uh, yeah. uh, in the championship year. In the championship year, yeah. I don't, I don't remember the. Uh, Villa Park was um, November because it was my birthday. Yeah, so it was on the TV that game. So if yeah. I was there, and I, I watched it back quite recently just to watch Chris Fairclough's performance. Didn't give him a sniff. Followed Tony Daly from uh, right wing to left wing. And, um, I love Chris Fairclough. Chris Fairclough was, nice. was a magnificent player in there. Tony Daly slightly before my era, but wasn't his thing that he was just quick, but yeah. not, not really anything else. Yeah. Really, really quick. Sort of a Forrest Gump type thing. But he, he, <laughs> he was kind of a Darren yeah. Huckabee yeah. of his day. He definitely ran Aston Villa. And well, I remember Tony how he, Daly, did he not have one move? He was a bit like Mark Walters with a step over, wasn't he? I'm sure he had lots of one trick that he... Uh, used to do all the time but back then that was good enough yes. you, didn't, you didn't need skill you, you didn't need to be doing like Cruyff turns like Paul Green or anything like that just you know <laughs> step over off you go and Howard Wilkins would do that occasionally with Fairclough he said I remember it was the Villa Park one he said they'd just go 10 versus 10 um, and Fairclough would take out Daly and the, mm. the rest of them could play and I remember Fairclough marking Cantona out of games and he was like it was a little bit like 
Paul Reaney being the only one who could handle George best, that Fairclough, uh, for at least one game, um, <laughs> completely ruined um, Cantona's flow. Um, Andy Lim does continue, by the way. He's really plumbing his, uh, his memory banks for this one. David Batty at right back at home to Stuttgart, or is he imagining that, he says? Um, David Batty played right back for England in one of the Euros. Wilco had a habit with Batty and Speed of just playing them wherever he wanted. He always says about the championship season that Speed played pretty much everywhere apart from goalkeeper. I don't really know what position he ever played. He was he was originally um, made for, but Mark Jackson under <laughs> George Graham had a he had a feel of a standing. He certainly didn't look like a midfielder playing in midfield. Mm. He looked. I don't know what he looked like. Was he a centre back originally? Was it because nobody could quite believe he was actually in the team, <laughs> so he just assumed he was a standing? He's just there until somebody recovers from an injury. <laughs> it had a, he had a look, the same sort of puzzled look as Jason Pierce on the left wing the other week. It was a bit like, I'm doing my best <laughs> yeah. out here, but this is not this is not me really. I'm... Oh, it was Mark Ford who always joined in with Lee Sharp on that uh, the goal celebrations, wasn't it? Oh, he was a tiresome prick as well. <laughs> Hey, thanks to um, Oz White's uh, rather brilliant Leeds United definitive history website. That is website. a very good website. It is it? a very good website. If you want to look it up, oswhitelufc.net.au. It's got all the uh, the history of your need of our club. Brilliant. Had a look on there. Right? So the side at home uh, to Stuttgart was Lukic, Sellers, Dorigo, Batty, Fairclough, White, Strachan, Cantona, Chapman, McAllister, Speed. So it's quite conceivable, yes, that... Uh, we had Scott Sellers at right back or Batty at right back. I think um, I think Sellers may have played left wing, um, but I think it was Rocastle played right back in Stuttgart, and that's why we went into that game three nil down. You may even have only played the first half. At yes, right it was back. the it was the blue vomit kit, wasn't it? It was yes, the yes. Fir- the uh, the first in anger use of the blue vomit kit. And uh, the first in anger use of David Rocastle as well. He scored against Stuttgart in the uh, Makita tournament in pre-season, and so Wilco in One his of wisdom, finest moments, yeah, Sampdoria was, mm. and yeah, and then Wilco in his wisdom decided that goal-scoring performance meant he should play at right back against Stuttgart in Germany. Wilco played speed as a sweeper in one of those games as well. Yeah, it was basically he would do anything just to leave a gap for Mel Sterland when he recovers. <laughs> <laughs> like that, he's, he's still waiting to bring him back into the side, isn't he? Yeah, he's waiting for science to invent a new ankle for Mel. I'll need a big gap for Mel to fill these days. <laughs> Question is, though, do any of them any of them stand up to the amazing standards of, of Danny Pugh and Michael Brown? With a lot of these ones, we're talking fondly about them, and I don't think in 20 years' time people are going to still be talking fondly about um Danny Pugh and Michael Brown away at Charlton. Remember that time <laughs> Ross McCormack scored four. Ah, but who was it? Who won that penalty? <laughs> Bollocks to you! I love my Danny Pugh poster. Coming up, what's happened to Tony Mowbray? That's my first question. What do you mean, his face or just <laughs> any any of it? Just just fill me. Where, where's Tony? He gave it a good go and failed. It's a bit of a Gary McAllister situation. Everyone mm. really wanted him to do well, but they just kept losing. He is the man who put West Brom on the track to becoming what they are now, which is, uh, what did Mourinho call them lately? Didn't he say they were a, a Mickey Mouse team with Mickey Mouse players? So he's the man who, who put them on the track to being slagged off by Jose Mourinho. And now, having failed to get Middlesbrough into that same position, they're now managed by Jose Mourinho's best mate, whose first name I can't pronounce. Aitor Karanka. 
Is this correct? Itor sounds like some kind of... Um, an ailment. I was going to say a Greek beast. <laughs> an ancient Greek beast, in case anybody in modern Greece is <laughs> listening and likely to be offended. I can imagine an Itor swooping down from the Colosseum or in, half the in body Rome. Of, half the body of a bull sort of thing. Yeah, which you, we're sort of coming back to Tony Mowbray's face. Tail of a lizard. <laughs> David Icke. Yes, so, so we're getting into Ike territory there, aren't we? Yes. Um, where, where's he from? Because I have genuinely never heard of this man. It's one of these ones where they've gone, let's not go for Gary Megson or someone someone we've heard of. Let's go fancy. You look down the list of... Uh, what, Tony Pulis is available. Look down the list of candidates and go, which one's got the funniest name? Although we, he does appear to have played in a game that we were discussing recently. He's, been, he's faced up to the challenge of Jake Burns. There was a picture of him on the internet, I don't know which website, of him challenging Mark Viduka in that very game that was... Uh, oh, that, Ellen that Rose, the Champions League? Mm. Ah, really? So yeah, he's played in that team, but he's been basically Mourinho's stand-in at press conferences, is what he seemed to be saying. That right. he was the man that, when Mourinho was sulking, he'd is send he, him along. So they're, the, they're, uh, they're kind of going down the route of the Loudrop thing, hoping that's going to work, I presume. You know, exotic former Madridista brought into the glamour of Middlesbrough. I don't know if Denmark's exotic. Oh, it's got Copenhagen has Legoland. And that there's a lot of sort of thriller murderers books. Compared to Middlesbrough, Legoland's exotic. Do you think he'd been to Middlesbrough prior to them discussing the the move? Unlikely. I reckon they probably hold their uh, interviews in Harrogate. You'll be living in Yorkshire. Yep. Um, We're in the the towns of Yorkshire, Heartland. Uh, Look at all. Look at this greenness. Look at this. You don't get this back in Spain. Do all this green? (laughs) Look at this green. No, ignore the cloud. Ignore the cloud over there. Look at the green. One of those yeah. things that are on fire. Oh, no, it's nothing. Nothing. That's all we know about him, really. Well, there is some talk of him signing all Chelsea's reserves on loan. And Chelsea have a lot of reserves. They basically have a, another squad of players who just play elsewhere. You see Palmer actually have, I think it's 200 um, registered players in their squad. Carlton or the, the Italian team? <laughs> the Italian team, Palmer, have, uh, yeah, they just... Um, they've got two entire feeder teams, but all those players are registered at Palmer. They've got about 50 who are just on loan at other clubs, and they're just basically hoping that if any of them turn out to be any good, they'll get them back to home base. Like Not an, that- e- an EU footballer mountain. That is yes. strength in depth. It definitely is. Yeah. They, they would probably overcome most injury crises. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Redknapp's still complaining. Needs one <laughs> or two more. <laughs> so we don't know what Middlesbrough will be like by the time they get here. They'll have learnt Tiki Taka and they'll all be Chelsea players. And Jonathan Woodgate, um, who signed Woodgate for Madrid? It wasn't Mourinho. No. They, they, they must have missed each other, but I'm sure, I mean, Spain's a small country. Capello? Was it? He had, he had an obsession with English players, didn't he? So, I don't know. Anywho. I could so, easily look this up on the internet thing, but no, why bother? The, what I'm stumbling towards is that... Woodgate may have played with him. Is that Minotaur Carranca, um, he may have played with him, and at least it'll be, you know... He can speak the lingo. He can translate for the manager if necessary. Add a little bit of his own common sense. Give it, teach him some local customs. Smashing glasses in your own face. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. Eat a palmo. Eat a palmo. Yeah, so there'll be a little bit of a cultural exchange between Karanka and Woody. Becchio tends to do well against Middlesbrough. Why did you have to bring that up? <laughs> I'm just prodigy. Just like, I was gonna Why? Just like, I'm just going like, to let you go now. Can we get him back for this game? Just Could once. we? Emergency loan. Well, we've got that Dexter fuck stick, haven't we? <laughs> Not that you've <laughs> he's, he's done, he's, he's done he's l- now. He looks quite good. How many goals has he scored? 
Well, Ross McCormack's having to do all the work because this loser isn't even trying. Just looking at their stats on the internet, <laughs> I, had, I had no clue where they were in the league table. This is how poor this podcast has become. Hmm. Um, 16th at the minute, apparently. Played 15, won three, drawn seven, lost five. Scored 25, conceded 24, 16 points. The other interesting bit of trivia at the moment is that the last three managerial changes in the championship, I believe their first games have all been against us. And now I can't think of who those managers would be Darby. or which teams they were. McLaren. Derby McLaren. We've got Karanka Middlesbrough. Who was the other? Come on, kids. Think. Your homework for the next yeah. podcast, kids. Lee Clark looked like it was his first game. Bright, was his, Brighton. Was it Brighton, was it? Brighton, because it was his, he came in the summer and replaced Another one of, the, another one of these fancy damn foreigners coming was, over here, taking our jobs. You've not, you've never managed Middlesbrough. I've applied for it. My CV was looking top notch, but because I don't know Mourinho. How are you doing on FM 2014? Really well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I assume you're managing Leeds. Obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm in the Premiership. Not mm-hmm. doing as well now, but you know, I've got a young side. Who did you sell first? Mm, I sold Jason Pierce first. How much? Two and a bit mil. Really? Yeah, no, I'm realistic. Nice Fucking stupid. Who yeah. too? Uh, Hull. Wow. Yeah, strange. I know. So he actually went up a division mm. for two and a half million well, pounds. Now, he's now transfer listed again. Now playing for them, I did notice. So oh, you still keeping an eye on his career? Sold him a dud. Did you do that thing where you sign up, you start a game as another manager and buy your <laughs> shit players from the team you want to do well? I don't because I've, I've only just got rid of Steve Morrison. Is anyone doing well? Of the existing squad. Mm. Byram. Really? That's it. Have you managed to keep him? Do you think you'll keep him while he's struggling in the lower reaches of the Premier League? Uh, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think if, he can see what I'm trying to do. I've got, I've got, got a, I've got, I've got a good have you, squad. Have you, had, have you had words with him? I've got talk. a young squad developing around him. There's been interest from other clubs, right? But, um, I've, you know, I've said I think the club can develop to meet his ambitions. And what's he said? He says he'll, he'll give it, give it another season. Right. Well, you can so see the, where you are at Christmas. See what happens in January. You never know. There might be some investment. The exactly. pressure, yeah. the pressure's kind of on. If Byron's only going to give you another season, and also if you relegate Leeds United, I'll never forgive you. So there's these things you've got to bear in mind. Hey, listen, Stephen Warlock might be back for the Middlesbrough game. I've got rid of him as well. <laughs> He's another one I've only just managed to get rid of. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. This is the fortnightly award for somebody who's basically contributed to our misery, our ongoing perpetual state of ire and disappointment as Leeds United fans. And of course, it wouldn't be the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight without nominating Ken himself for something. Again, he's far too quiet now. Do we need to retire him from this or should we keep him going? Uh, no, let's nominate him. Have we already nominated him for being too quiet? Yes. Yeah. Uh, have we nominated Still him? Still too quiet. Have we nominated him for... Oh, the East Stand looks particularly shit in winter. Drove past it the other day. He just thought, ugh. All right. Horrible. That <laughs> looks horrible, Ken. Because in summer, it's beautiful. It brings it down. It's making Beeston look a bit shabby. In fact, <laughs> it is. I've, I've got it because um, Howard's, which was always his uh, his restaurant project, has closed and reopened, is now an away bar. Yes. Um, Lack so, of business now. Yeah, so f- because... Leeds United have managed to make more money. I have no figures to back this up, but I'm assuming made <laughs> it's more. It's wild speculation, <laughs> lawyers. It's have, wild. Have made more money by opening up Howard's as a bar for one Yeovil, one group of Yeovil fans, um, than it ever did as a high fine dining restaurant. Then it's just going to show football grounds. There is money in selling beer to football fans. Trying to sell beef Wellington to the kind of people who would eat beef Wellington. At a football ground, ain't going to work. So Ken Bates for Beef Wellington is the nomination. 
pure conjecture on your part, but I like it and we'll go with that nonetheless. Who else would we like to nominate them? It's been all right the last, since the last podcast. We've just won. Yeah, well, Ross McCormack for not uh, giving us enough fill-ins. Dexter Blackstock for not being... Not being Luciano Becchio. Put that down. Oh, we can... I put um, down um, God for the rain at Charlton. The Lord Almighty for yeah. the weather. Yeah. Okay. Should you wish to believe in God, your own God. I'd like to nominate science for the weather at Charlton. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll have a debate. Philistine. We need to get Dawkins in or something, don't we, now at this point. It's the Russians controlling the weather. I'd like to nominate Raphael, the... um, The ninja. The scum... The scum fullback, and we may as well include his twin brother. Donatello. Because of what the back of his head did to the front of Robert Snodgrass's head. I don't need to be told that Robert Snodgrass is leaving the... Last time I saw Robert Snodgrass at Old Trafford, he was pinging um, a free kick off of their crossbar. Um, And then he was leaving on a stretcher after nine minutes of treatment. And if you look at the uh, photographs of him that have since been released, they've transformed him into some kind of... Freakish, big-nosed gnome. <laughs> I did. I did leave this in any other business. The Robert Snodgrass yeah. looking like a tramp. I've moved it because I think Raphael needs. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's fair enough. Needs but to be told. I did think when I saw him being interviewed, little glimpse of Peter Lorimer with that nose. <laughs> <laughs> His big trampy beard's doing him no favors. You can't blame Raphael he, for that. He did address that issue on Twitter by saying that uh, um, he loved how it was winding everybody up. Um, and so he's definitely going to keep it. Uh, hashtag beard hate. What I think it's beard hate. A- any other nominations then before uh, we wrap this bit up? Michael Brown and Danny Pugh. Uh, why? Those tackles. I know all around it was a good result at Charlton, made with surprising players, but um, watching them both just sliding through the centre circle trying to just maim Charlton okay. players. It's not the way anybody likes to see football it's played. Not, we're not, we don't want to be called dirty leads now, do we? It's Norman Hunter's 70th birthday. Norman Hunter would never have tackled like that. He would have won a the ball. A, a statesman of the game. Yes. Um, right, okay. Your options then. Ken Bates for the East Stand looking shit in winter slash lack of business le- now slash beef wellingtons. Yes. You've got God slash science slash the Russians for the weather at Charlton. We should actually, we should nominate Charlton themselves for their pitch. It should was, have a roof um, on it. Put a roof on that. I've been saying for years, put a roof on that stadium. It was Charlton where Doncaster's match got called was, off yeah. as well, wasn't it? So What's we were lucky to with... get away with that win. Yeah, how the hell's like South London doesn't have its own microclimate as far as I'm aware. Raphael for attempting to maim your sweetheart. Rob One of my many Norwich sweethearts. <laughs> should we, are we nominating Donatello, did we say for something? Or was that... I'm not sure if an, any the Ninja Turtles are strictly relevant right now. Michael Brown and Danny Pugh for them, their tackles. For tackling the like twats. It's quite a, a, a fairly broad bunch of nominees this time. Who would you like to vote for your Ken Bates filling of the fortnight? Anyone who's made Snodgrass look like that deserves to be punished. Plus, he is. It's a scum player. And it's not often we get to nominate a scum player. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we get to pick two of them because we won't be able to tell whether it's Raphael or the other one. So Doesn't one of them play somewhere else now? Who knows? I think one went to QPR. They don't even. They may not even know if they've kept the right one. <laughs> Any other business? Quick shout out to um, Russ Coward, friend of the podcast. Uh, it's his birthday today, as we're recording on Thursday. So very happy birthday, ha- Russ! Happy birthday, Russ! Many happy returns. Uh, his present was to be designated driver to drive to Charlton and back last oh, Saturday. That's, so. that's a lovely gift. Yeah. Is that? That's so. not only Moscow's made him a card as well, <laughs> yeah. which, you'll, which you'll send yeah. to him. <clears throat> So he drove back while there was a party in the back of the car, mm-hmm. which we won't go into, which apparently is rule one of away days. Uh, what uh, goes on tour stays on tour. Exactly. Paddy Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a, a sweet little message from his brother, his little brother Lee, 
who says him lots of love and kisses and happy birthday. Felicitations also to Brian Dean. Um, it's not a birthday, but um, he's managing Sarpsborg towards the end of the season and it's worth... Is that like a robot? <laughs> <laughs> um, Is he inside? It drives him like this. <laughs> so they, they, um, he's just keeping them in the team with the smallest budget um, in the Norwegian top league. He's keeping them in there by the skin of their teeth at the moment. They were 1-0 up with two minutes to go and ended up losing 2-1 at the weekend, uh, which means they have to go into a playoff in the next two weekends to stay up. But they also beat um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's mould 1-0. So he's doing he's doing well with a small budget, but I think he would probably have liked to have had the season finished by now. But keep an eye on Sarpsborg because it's coming your way. A couple of things to cover then before we sign off. Issue four of the fanzine will be out against Middlesbrough. You can still buy issue three online at thesquareball.net. Uh, grab yourself a subscription as well if you fancy getting all the issues from this season, particularly the digital copies, which we never run out of. We the are where- fully- yeah, the warehouse is getting really full. Fully stocked. Constant replenishment going on. And the final, final, most important thing we can say to you, because you, you, you will know that obviously we won the Fanzine of the Year award two years ago and due to my idiocy, fell out of the taxi with the award and broke it. So we have no memento of our glorious victory two years ago. And just to rub salt into our wounds, in 2012, we lost it to United We Stand, which is a fanzine from a, a team in Salford, is it? Somewhere over that way? Uh, yeah, Prestwich. Yeah, something like that. The woods. Yeah. And then we have been nominated again this year. We're in the final six again. So what we really, really like to do is get you to vote for us so we can maybe be in with a chance to win a trophy again. And remember that in the uh, the spirit of um, all elections, a vote for stand against modern football is a vote wasted. It may as well not count. In previous years, this was done on a a panel judging it this time it's purely a numbers game so if you've got kids who you can bully into voting from their yeah, own laptops yeah. and friends do it from phones other devices if you go to work vote again there get every yeah email everyone at work switch your router off switch it back on new ip address <laughs> vote again and, i'm just saying and there's all you, these things you can do if you are the soft-hearted type um we don't want you to log on and see the uh, the nominations and and cast a sympathy vote for chester they haven't got enough fans to win, so don't even, you know, just don't It's all be... about the numbers, kids. And when you come yeah. to voting as well, you don't need to bother reading the, the questions properly. Question, scroll down, question four, square ball vote. You don't need to want to worry about who's the best pundit and stuff. You can just vote for us. Ten Although, seconds, it's a ten second yeah. job. Which will in no way highlight that you're, uh, <laughs> you've been... Instructed. Sh- yeah, instructed to vote for our fanzine. And and prom- for everyone who votes, we promise to have a drink for every single one of you. Not for them, not to give them. No, no. We will, we have, will have a drink, drink yes. for them. Yes. yes, yes, yes. We've got to clarify the small print before we <laughs> yeah. write, anyway, a cash, write a check that your ass can't catch. Yes, we, we understood. <laughs> um, anyway, just to let you know, the important detail here is that the awards are on Monday, the 16th of December. So one presumes the cutoff date will be ahead of that. So do get your votes in as fast as possible. And to make that simple for you, we've even set up a, a, a redirected link on our website. So all you need to do is go to thesquareball.net forward slash vote and it will link you straight to the survey. And after that little pathetic begging mission, we shall sign off and I'll say bye bye. And uh, off we go. Bye-bye from me and Michael. Bye-bye. Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll be back in a fortnight. Get in touch with us in the meantime. Podcast at thesquareball.net, tweet at thesquareball, or find us on Facebook. Bye-bye. The Squareball Podcast. Podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.